Good morning. It is Monday, January 23rd. It's now 8.34 in the morning. You're listening to WKCR-FM. And I'm extremely excited to bring back a new season of Monday Morningside in the year 2023. My name is Josh Kazali. I'll be your host. And it's going to be a really exciting semester here at WKCR and here at Monday Morningside. Uh, I'm super excited to bring new programming, uh, new segments, and we're going to be airing right here at 8.30 to 9.30 in the morning every Monday, so look forward to that. Uh, Super excited to bring you new programming. Uh, First on the agenda today, I have an announcement, uh, which you might have heard from Columbia University, right where we air the show, right where WKCR is located. So it's important to talk about uh, our new president, Nimat Minouche Shafiq, uh, who is formerly the uh, president of London School of Economics and will now begin her uh, term as the president of of Columbia University, the 20th president of Columbia University on July 1st, 2023. I'm going to read from the announcement made by the trustees um, of Columbia University uh, just a few days ago on the 18th. Born in Alexandria, Egypt, and raised in the U.S., Manoush holds a Bachelor of Arts uh, from the University of Massachusetts Amherst, a Master of Science from London School of Economics and Political Science, and a Doctor of Philosophy from St. Anthony's College in Oxford University. Manoush began her career in the early 1990s at the World Bank, becoming the bank's youngest ever vice president. She later served as permanent secretary of the U.K. Departments of for International Development, where she led a reimagining of British foreign aid policy as deputy managing director of the International Monetary Fund in the midst of the European debt crisis, and as deputy governor of the Bank of England, where she sat on all monetary, financial, and prudential policy committees and was responsible for a balance sheet of over 500 billion pounds. During the years, she visited more than 100 countries. In 2017, Manoush began became the leader of the London School of Economics and Political Science, a large urban university. At LSE, she has overseen vast improvements to the students' experience and managed significant expansion and infrastructure projects, where she maintained a keen focus on LSE's academic mission. As she has throughout her career, Minish has distinguished herself as a tireless proponent of diversity and inclusion and a creative and thoughtful leader committed to cultivating and unleashing talent and teams in service of the public good. That is from the Columbia Board of Trustees, uh, spoken and written by Jonathan Levine, the chair of the Trustees of Columbia University. Um, it's a big deal. It's uh, an exciting thing to have happen. The former president, Lee Bollinger, was, of course, in charge uh, for a long period of time. And he said of his successor, quote, I feel like if we had looked over all the world for the best person to next lead Columbia, I would have chosen Manush Shafiq. Her expertise, her experiences, both personal and professional, and her general outlook on academic and public life make her an inspired appointment. I offer her my warmest congratulations and the very best wishes as she takes on what I believe to be the best job in the world. You can read a lot about uh, Manu Shafiq on the Columbia uh, Daily Spectator or on Columbia News. Uh, there's been a lot written about it. Um, and... It's also notable because of um, its historical notability. It is the first time since Columbia's founding that the university will be led by a woman. Uh, Shafiq also served as the first female leader of the LSE and was previously the first female 
Permanent Secretary of the UK Department for International Development. So it's notable for a lot of reasons, um, and it's exciting here at Columbia. A lot of people are talking about it, um, and I thought I would be remiss if I didn't mention it uh, at the beginning of this show, given that it just happened, and that it will continue to affect the student body for the next uh, forthcoming months, maybe years. Um, So keep your eye out on that. I'm sure we'll have more on that uh, coming soon. Next, I have a segment uh, from a conversation with our program director here at WKCR, Sam Seliger, who is coming to the end of his time as program director. You've almost certainly heard his voice here at the studio. Uh, He's lovely to talk to, and he's talking about kind of what the beginning of the year means for WKCR, what you have to look forward to, um, and what we've changed in the past year coming out of coronavirus and out of lockdown and sort of looking forward and backward. I'm here with Sam Seliger, also known as our fearless program director. I'm sure you've heard his voice many times if you're a listener to our station. How are you doing today, Sam? I'm doing great, Josh. Thanks for having me. It's it's good to be here on Monday Morning Side. Yeah, yeah. I think you were you made an appearance. On, it's I think been the a very while. First, but it's been it's yeah. been a minute. Um, well, it's just the beginning of the year here at Columbia. Things are getting back into swing, including this show. This is the first episode of the new year, uh, and it's also nearing the end of Sam's reign as program director. Yeah. So I'll be. I'll be in charge for another month and change. That's really about it. We're in the process now of, of our elections for the next cycle, the next year of station leadership. Um, I'm not going to be no, I'm not aiming to, to take on another year of this, so I'll be moving probably to uh, some work in the library and the archive. I'll certainly still be around. You'll, this is yes. not the last time you'll hear my <laughs> voice. I can guarantee you that. Um, but, Far from it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we don't have some things already planned for January yeah. and February. We've, I'm sure listeners have heard we got off to, I'd say, a pretty involved start um, the, through January with a lot of special broadcasts and even more in the next uh, week and change. Yeah, we've had a really, really great January. Um, we had Bowie. We had... Uh, yeah, we had uh, Ryuji Sakamoto. Sakamoto yeah. uh, it was just this past week, as yeah. was um, Dolly Parton. Um, and then we're gonna we've got our some of our recurring annual broadcasts Antonio mm-hmm. Carlos Jobim's this week. Um, so Roy Eldridge the following week and we'll finish it out uh, with Philip Glass. And then we've got right. a two day two day archival celebration of Phil Schapp. Uh, the end of that week that's uh, February second and third. Uh, that's got we've we've dug up a number of of new well not actually new but of recording recorded programs that we haven't re-aired before so it'll be the first time those have aired since they were done live uh, back in various years we've still haven't as far as the the chat material is concerned we've never even gotten it's obviously he was on the air for 50 years the the stuff in the 70s was not as as reliably recorded and didn't record everything at that point um but we haven't even really dug into anything before like the late 2000s um, so while our access to those things is a little bit limited in theory, there's really far we could go, uh, and that we'll hope to go in the future. 
Yeah, well, that's definitely something that listeners can look forward to. Yeah. Um, and I guess more broadly, I mean, this station has changed a lot um, since you took over as program director. Uh, we've done a lot of things. We've, if you yeah. read in our on-air guide, we talk about some of this stuff. Uh, we've uh, opened up a lot more live programming. Yeah. Uh, how do I guess? How do you feel about that? Because when I, at least when I joined WKCR, the live programming was pretty minimal because we were still kind yeah. of COVID. I mean, so a lot of these changes, particularly the changes internally, were there's been a lot of returning to things that we were doing pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. um, which, I mean, I wasn't even around pre-pandemic. I joined while we were all programming on our computers at home. Um, but I have some knowledge of, of what it was going, I mean, just the basic how it worked. And so in terms of returning to live programming, we've done that mostly. Uh, certainly, we still use some pre-recorded and and recorded ahead of time broadcasting, and that's going to continue to be a you know a, a part of what we do. Particularly, um, you know, when we're not all around, like on breaks and and such, it's very useful. And the the live performances in the studio, for example, we're doing. I mean, we we really do- dove into that with a whole lot of enthusiasm. Um, so they've been more frequent than they used to be, but certainly those were pretty regular occurrence mm-hmm. pre-pandemic. As far as things that have, have changed, a lot of them were in the works ahead of time. Like I'm, you probably don't even recall this, but um, just the internal structure of, of the station used to be mm-hmm. a lot more diffuse um, and decentralized and uh, less reliant on technology. Um, it worked mostly around just sort of individual phone calls and one email list, um, and it's become much more centralized um, in a way that I think is much more sustainable. Um, and that was already starting before I took over, but certainly that at that point the station only had about fifteen or twenty people, uh, where now we're upwards, of, you know, in the fifty-plus range. Yeah, and it's been really exciting, uh, at least for me, to see that so many students continue to be excited about radio about participating in radio um was radio something that you always wanted to do i mean i guess um i was certainly like uh what npr calls like a backseat baby if you (laughs) have ever tried to apply for like one of their internships um someone who grew up like listening to radio Mm -hmm. um but i mean so my my dad did kcr back in the early 90s my dad was american head in 92 Two and ninety three, so um, you're a KCR so legacy. I, I guess, yeah. Wow. Um, and so I certainly had heard the stories. Um, I live, grew up, you know, well outside of KCR's FM range. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't say I was listening that regularly. Other than when I was in New York, we'd definitely tune in sometimes. But I knew about the station. I'd heard about it uh, much more from like an inside perspective of this is what happens right. when you're inside the station as opposed to listening to it. Um, but I, I kind of knew, I guess, that that I wanted to to do that. Um, but I think it was more about doing this station in particular than doing radio in general. Yeah, yeah. And I'm interested now that you're kind of moving towards doing some things in the archiving and library. Um, what excites you about that? To you know, spend some more time. We have a pretty amazing library here. Um, which those of you who are either alumni or have visited our station before certainly know. Uh, what's most exciting about that to you? Oh, well, they, I mean, there's so much. 
it's you start to take it for granted here when, yeah. when you're here all the time. Um, but physical media is a really interesting thing. We we use it like everyone here at the station now is a digital native, mm-hmm. but so we have a very different relationship to something like a LP than someone would have if that when they were here in the nineties or the two thousands. Um, but it's uh, it just takes a lot more work is one of the things. And I I think I started spending a lot more time in the library because there's always work to be done there. Like it just is always in need of upkeep. And, you know, particularly there's lots of, you know, records and things that are starting to fall apart and need mm-hmm. to be maintained. Um, and I found it like, I guess, very therapeutic in yeah. a way. It's nice to just put things in order and then have it be right again. Um, but I think it's less the work itself is ranges from, I mean, mundane to just straightforward as much as the materials. You know, we've got all these records are different yeah. than in CDs are different, too, than listening digitally. Yeah. Um, and particularly when we talk about like the archive Mm-hmm. The, that's just, you know, years worth of recordings of material that very frequently doesn't exist anywhere else. Yeah. And so it's just, it's, uh, it's things that are different and new are, are cool. And so it, it's a lot of fun. It's a big draw for me to get to just put my hands on those and figure out what's in there. Yeah. And I'm sure it'll be exciting for our listeners to be able to listen to things that they can't anywhere else it's something that i think i never encountered like it's hard to encounter now i think listening to something that you can't find on spotify you can't shazam you can't like and i think that's a kind of cool thing to like kind of bring some of that to light yeah i mean we take it for granted at kcr all the time like everyone who djs at kcr and everyone who listens to kcr will know this too the experience where you're playing something or you're hearing something that the computer can't recognize you know in our web stream we've got this software built in that's supposed Mm -hmm. to identify all the songs and log it for us that way we don't have to do it all by hand and it you know certainly works well enough to comply with the law but it definitely does not get it all right. Like, I don't think I've really ever done a show, maybe a handful, where the computer recognized everything correctly. Yeah. But that's very weird because if you're living in an entirely digital world, you can't play something that the computer doesn't know because that's where you're getting it from. Yeah. So it's interesting that we're almost kind of creating this other world that can't be recognized by yeah. the one that we've made in this digital scape. Like, yeah. And by expanding it, it, like that becomes bigger when it seems like it should be coming smaller. So right. kind of fighting against fighting back against the machines on some level. Yeah. A little bit. It's, it's definitely like, I feel like radio is very like, it feels so, so incredibly different from like the Spotify algorithm or something. Yes. Um, yeah. Which for me is, I think, one of the most lasting like draws of of KCR and, and what keeps me tuning in. I yeah. think, and it's something that I I wasn't a backseat baby, but when I went home over the winter, I was listening to KCSB. Shout out KCSB uh, in California, but 
you know, there I there is such a personal touch that is nice to see. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's definitely another, you know, the, the big component yeah. is the personal element to it. Yeah. So it's it's exciting that people, at least it seems like students are tapping into that. And, you know, we still enjoy programming it as well. Um, so I guess what's what are the things that you're most looking forward to in this 2023, uh, you know, continuing our radio fight yeah um i mean there's a lot of things as far as you know stuff we're doing on the air we've already got things planned stretching through february uh we're going to be bringing back the country music festival which was a staple of our annual programming generally sometime in the spring although it moved around a little bit from the 80s into you know the early 2010s um so that'll be coming back in late february uh which will be a, a ton of fun that was one that my dad always told me stories about doing um because that, you know, as the American head, that was, you know, his job to plan. And and so I think that's really going to be really exciting, especially because the state, and I'll be writing about this in the on-air guide, which will come out in a little over a week. I've got, I don't know if it's either one, one page or two, talking about not just why we're bringing this back, but what it offers us. Yeah. But right now there are no country music radio stations in New York City, mm-hmm. which is very strange i mean any other pr- predominantly english-speaking city of similar size or even a lot smaller like for example dublin and london both mm-hmm. have dedicated country music radio stations as does like paris uh places where country music is not native right yeah that is interesting. and so we will in a way be simulating that i mean we won't be playing the kind of things that you're here on commercial country radio in the year 2023 i can promise you that (laughs) um but it it's really exciting to me in a way to get to to serve that kind of listener base in a way that we don't normally do or that we haven't done for a decade yeah absolutely and that is you know another thing that radio provides um, and we have an extensive uh, collection of American country LPs and yeah. CDs. And, and we'll be digging up some, some tapes as well there, things, recordings from not only from past country music festivals, which we'll be doing, um, but just a regular country music broadcast of interviews uh, with some of the legends who we've had on uh, for a very long time, uh, which will be you know, uh, I, I'm really thrilled to get to find those and, and hear them and, and share them with everyone else. Yeah. And more broadly, is there any hopes or uh, excitements about this new year for WKCR? Oh, I mean, there's so many. It's every every day is is new and, and every day we're playing new material. Um, and there's so it at the most basic level just to have that continue and and to play new things every day is exciting and is thrilling um i think as we continue to just grow and stabilize and you know we have people who are graduating at the end of this term but Mm -hmm. the vast majority of people here are not Mm -hmm. um and so to get a second and third year under people's belts yeah and really see what people are capable of um and see you know, the accumulation of more institutional knowledge is going to be 
I think a lot of fun. I you know I can't wait to see what we do with more partner partnerships with like venues and record labels and more musicians who are just regularly coming by to play and things like that. I think we're things are going to become so much more vibrant than they already even are. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you heard it here first. Radio's back in 2023. WKCR is back in 2023. Sam Seliger is back in 2023. Yeah, um, I'm not sure we ever left, but uh, we're certainly not leaving now. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Josh. It's been, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, yeah, thanks for coming on. pleasure to talk to Sam Seliger. Um, we love his voice here, and he's a valuable contributor to WKCR. Um, and like he said, we have a lot of exciting programming uh, coming up. We have uh, we had most recently the Ryuchi Sakamoto birthday, which was a huge success, as well as our favorite Dolly Parton birthday. Um, we had a women's basketball game air just yesterday. And of course, coming soon, you heard a little sneak preview uh, not the real thing quite yet, but on the 25th, uh, just a few days, um, will be the Antonio Carlos Jobim birthday broadcast. I certainly love his music, so I'll be tuning in that day. Um, as well as on the 30th, we have Roy Eldridge. Uh, on the 31st, we have Philip Glass. That's going to be a fun one. And uh, again, we do have that exciting Phil Schapp tribute birthday broadcast, or I guess not birthday, but... Um, more on that later. I have an exciting announcement about that, which all of you who love Shap will be excited to hear about. Uh, 2023, a time to look forward and to look back. Uh, I hope all of you have selected your New Year's resolutions carefully um, and are looking forward to hopefully reaching them on some level. I know one of mine is to eliminate the us and ahs in our, our speech uh, one thing about talking on radio that you will quickly realize is how many filler words that you use. Tough to eliminate, I will say. It is 8.57 in the morning here in New York City. It is Monday, January 23rd. You're listening to WKCR-FM and WKCR-HD1. That's 89.9 on the dial here in New York City, as well as WKCR.org online. My name is Josh Kazali, and you're listening to Monday Morningside um, the first Monday morning side of this new year, we had a little filler episode, which you can find on Spotify, as well as all of the Monday morning side episodes. Uh, I was talking to my friend Carter Haskins, who is, um, runs a film Twitter account here in the city and most recently announced, uh, a programming of Tron Legacy in the city. Uh, check that out on Spotify if you haven't already. Um, Moving forward, uh, Sam did mention uh, one aspect of our new programming here at WKCR, or not so much new, but uh, revitalized programming here at WKCR is our live music. Just last night, we had the band Joyer in. Um, it's uh, one of the coolest things that we do here at the studio, and we're super excited to bring it. And uh, Maria uh, Shaughnessy, our classical head, who you've heard on this show before and on countless others, uh, spoke with our friends um, Lainey and Sarah, who are instrumental in bringing that live programming. Uh, so to those of you who 
have enjoyed our live programming here at WKCR. This next segment is for you. Hello, I'm here with Sarah and Lainey, who are the coordinators of live constructions that happened today, Friday, January 22nd. Sunday. Sunday, (laughs) January 22nd. I do apologize. Um, This will be aired on Monday, January 23rd for Monday morning side. Um, But I'm very lucky to be joined by you in here. So please tell me about this concert, who was playing. Tell me a little bit about the band and how you found them. So, Lainey and I alternate um, pretty much between finding bands. Um, so, I'm Sarah. This was one of the bands that I recruited. Um, and it really comes down to, like, Lainey and I try to find some smaller artists, uh, local artists in New York, um, through, like, shows um, out in Brooklyn and um, just kind of, like really digging on Spotify. Yeah, we um, call it networking, but it's really just fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then we just look for their booking email, and yeah. it's usually pretty easy from there. So um, this band was called Joyer. They're awesome. Um, and I reached out. They had a their email was pretty easy to find, and I reached out to them, and they were very excited. Um, it is a pretty like I would say it's a pretty extensive process. It's a lot of going back and forth. A lot of coordinating. A lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> you know, going back and forth, finding a date, and then what equipment do you have? What equipment do we have? Because the station isn't completely equipped <laughs> for um, everything. But luckily, Joyer was three people, so that wasn't too hard on us. What would you say your yield rate is, like, the amount of bands that you reach out to versus the ones that, like, actually get back to you? That's a great question. Our issue right now, actually, is, like, I reached out to a ton of bands, mm-hmm. and then they usually get back, and they're usually super excited, but then it's, like, when it comes to the time where they have to pick a date, they, like, they just really, that's when yeah. it goes silent a little bit. I would say um, for a little bit, like, for, for the more local bands, the turnout is a bit better, mm-hmm. at least in my experience. I usually either get a quick yes or no. Yeah. Um, there are there have only been a few bands that I've just been ghosted by. Yeah. I, I sometimes I try sometimes if I'm really naive I like reach out to bigger like big bands, <laughs> and we're like and then you get rejected. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? It's worth trying. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, um, bands are super nice. Sometimes though, like we find bands and then they're like, we're going on tour. And it's like, oh yeah, we can't really work with that. But um. Recently, like, the, it was so weird. The new year started, and, like, bands just kind of were, I think they were just kind of getting their, like, things together, and so it was kind mm-hmm. of radio silence. And then all of a sudden... All of a sudden. We're <laughs> booked till mid-April. Yeah. People, I, I had somebody the other day ask if they could come on in August. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, yeah, so hopefully we'll still be... Tossed up. And, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, and so what do you guys expect the future of live constructions to be and the future of live programming at KCR? Well, I think right now, I don't know what it was like before COVID, but we kind of just started doing live constructions this past semester, and it's been really um, like DIY and just scrambling together. And it's been like me, Sarah, our friend Kaylin, um, a couple other people helping out, but it's been a pretty like low stakes. Yeah thing and I think it would be cool to maybe make it more of like an operation or something Mm -hmm. it's fun because we're all like not like we're all kind of novices 
um, at, you know, engineering, because it is a whole process. And I think the fun thing about live construction so far and just like live shows in general is that it is a learning process for everybody who wants to be involved. Like, um, it's like, it's fun. And it's also, it's also just like a really good experience to learn how to use all this equipment. And we we recently received a grant where we, we were able to buy a lot of new equipment. And like learning how to use that stuff has been really fun. We got a audio snake which has been like the prized possession (laughs) no I think the for me the most fun part is that I really love doing this like I really love coordinating bands and audio engineering and it's just like we do this outside of live constructions we're just like sending each other YouTube videos on how to EQ drums listen to this audio tree and so I think it's just a fun way to like channel a passion for live music and hopefully KCR can do it more yeah, I think in the, like, I I I feel like Lainey and I are really, um, like inspired by KEXP, the Seattle mm-hmm. radio station, and NPR, mm-hmm. and just like kind of tiny using desk yeah, kind of it's thing. like yeah. using the the radio as a platform to like share the music of bands who, um, who just want to like get their get their voice out. <laughs> yeah, and that's I mean that's kind of the whole point of KCR is the alternative. So exactly. Thank you guys so much for joining me. This has been Maria, Lainey, and Sarah in conversation about live constructions. Uh, You are listening to WKCR FM New York and WKCR HD. Thanks again to Maria, Lainey, and Sarah, uh, three lovely programmers here at WKCR. Very excited to bring more and more live music in 2023. It's been one of the most exciting things, at least for students here at WKCR. I know we're all super pumped about bringing it, and I hope you're all pumped to hear it. Uh, that Joyer, the Joyer show yesterday was very, very exciting. Uh, tune in, I believe it's every Sunday, and we're also bringing more and more live jazz, which I know all of you are hopefully jazzed about. In other news, uh, the new semester is well on the way here at Columbia. It's exciting. Everyone is returning from their various uh, holiday adventures, uh, returning to the city. Uh, but for a lot of people, they're not just returning from the holidays, but they're returning from being away for the semester, away from New York. Um, we have welcomed back our one of our favorite programmers here at WKCR, Sophia Rivera, who just spent a semester in Trinity at Dublin, uh, Trinity College in Dublin, a great university. And I wanted to talk to Sophia, not just about, you know, what Dublin is like compared to New York City, a big difference, um, but also just about exchange and about returning to the city, returning to school, and about how not just Columbia, but New York City as a whole is really a site for exchange where there are so many people coming and going and how kind of being a part of this this great system of exchange which we've established here in the world and what it feels like to return from that and to return to what we might call our home. So this is a conversation with Sophia Rivera. You're listening to Monday Morningside. Hope you're enjoying. I'm here with Sophia Rivera, who has come back from her journey abroad in Dublin. Isn't that right? Yeah, I was at Trinity for the semester. Yeah, so in the interest of 
the semester beginning here at Columbia. Um, it's the beginning of the spring 2023 semester. Um, everyone is coming back to the city, but Sophia, you're coming especially from being away from the city for the whole fall. First of all, how did you enjoy Dublin compared to a big city like New York? I had a great time. It actually reminds me of the orientation that I was at. We like, because I was with um, students from other American universities that were studying at Trinity. And we kind of went around and asked everyone why they chose Dublin or Trinity. And all the people, you know, going to towns, um, sorry, school in like small towns were saying, oh, I'm, I'm in Dublin because I want to be in a big city. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm in Dublin because I want to be in a smaller city than New York. Yeah. Um, and I think obviously I love New York, but definitely being in a city that was so walkable and easy to get around and like with such good public transportation, it was just really easy to see not just Dublin, but kind of the whole country. So that was yeah. definitely a good good time overall, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think study abroad is such an interesting and very lucky experience that we're all able to have being students. Um, and it's a big part of um, college culture. Like, I'm a sophomore, um, and already it's becoming a major topic of conversation. You know, yeah. are you studying abroad? Why are you studying abroad? Mm-hmm. Um, at what point did it become something that you were like okay I really want to do this oh my gosh well I it was kind of a weird journey for me because I was an exchange student after high school and then over COVID I decided to take a year off from school and I ended up working as a nanny in Spain oh wow so I had already had a lot of like overseas experience at this point and I never really saw myself doing study abroad in college because I Mm -hmm. felt like I'd already had some really unique experiences um but probably, this is so basic, but I obviously <laughs> saw normal people and like read normal people. Yeah. Um, the Sally Rooney novel and then Hulu adapted series. Um, so maybe that was kind of part of it. I just thought it would be exciting to go do this study abroad, but not have to worry so much about a language barrier. Yes, and I think, yeah. I mean, I just heard like Irish people are incredibly nice and that the culture is great and there's a live music. Um, and like I said, I kind of was interest, oops, sorry, interested in being in a smaller city than New York, um, especially post-COVID stuff. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah, so. that makes sense. <laughs> and I'm curious, like, what comes out of having sort of a smaller uh, city experience? You know, we're here, everyone listening here, a lot of the people listening here are all used to the size and kind of the scope of New York City. And what's it like? to I guess at first what was it like to be in you know someone I was talking to someone about Dublin today and they said it described it almost as like a small town Mm -hmm. or like a like a town that's a city in a way yeah it's very compact I mean especially because I was living on campus at Trinity it takes like 10 minutes to walk into the kind of busiest part of town that there's like Grafton Street which is where all the live music is and I could actually hear like buskers from my dorm room so it was crazy to be kind of so close to all kind of the big spots in Dublin and then um it's like a 10 minute walk to Temple Bar which is like um the area with all the bars and live music and stuff and all the shops so definitely was great I felt like I was really in the heart of the city but it doesn't have that same kind of Times Square-y feel where it's all touristy Mm. like you know what I mean? With that size yeah. of a city, I think you can get a very local experience while also um, being a bit of a tourist. Like, it's a good place to be because most of the people are just from Dublin or from Ireland as opposed to kind of here 
Um, it's so much, it's so international, which I really like, right. but sometimes feels hard to really get to know New York culture because none of us are really from here. Yeah, you know what that's I mean? true. So. New York is kind of, it attracts a lot of people who are on the move. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, definitely was like a slower kind of pace of life over there, which I really yeah. enjoyed. Yeah. So I guess now, you know, the semester's beginning, you're back in New York City. Um, it's your junior junior spring (laughs) um what's it like to be back in the city um what what are you are you seeing it in a different light having because a lot of people talk about going abroad studying abroad you know in a way to kind of gain a different perspective um you know like see the world Mm -hmm. uh do you think that that's changed that you see the city oh interesting i think because i'm on columbia's campus it always feels like I'm a little bit removed from New York mm. and you have so much control over like how much time you spend in that kind of downtown environment, which is more New York-y. But um, let's see. Main things that I think are different is obviously like the accessibility that you'd have to nature and hiking and like mm. swimming and things in Ireland. At least that's something that I wasn't even super interested in before I went there, mm-hmm. but kind of the group of people I was with would we're very eager to say like oh let's go on this adventure let's go to another city let's take the train do whatever so definitely not just public transportation but the fact that if you wanted to be completely kind of remote or in the countryside you could do Mm. that very easily by train in like half an hour or go swimming in the ocean like which is not necessarily something or I don't know if it's a sea sorry a bay (laughs) I don't know but some body of water that like is safe to swim in that we wouldn't really do in the Hudson here yeah so more so that just kind of New York I don't think of as a a place that you can easily access nature from because that's not really why people come to New York you know um that's been my main like shock at the moment I guess biggest adjustment yeah that's true I mean Central Park is a very different kind of nature as compo- yeah. as compared to like the Ir- Irish Irish country countryside. Very yeah, different. totally different. Um, and I'm also curious to know, like, when you were abroad, what is the thing that you missed most about New York? Ooh, wait, that's such a good question. Gosh, I think because I was there for such a short time, I didn't have. A lot of time to like focus on what I missed from home. Mm. Definitely the, I mean, friends and family, like that's (laughs) great. I will say, I don't want to be mean, but Irish people don't use a lot of seasoning. (laughs) Like someone told me that even salt and pepper are like very new developments. Really? Um, Sorry to Irish people. That's probably (laughs) not true. That's an exaggeration. But coming from the US and then I'm from New Orleans, like, just the seasoning I was was really missing. I'm sure there are so many foods that I can't get in, even when I'm home in California, which plenty of great food in California, but when I come back, you know, I I beeline to absolute bagels, et cetera. I did miss bagels, yeah. There are some things that you can't quite get. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. It's, there's a lot. I'm curious, what was the, so when, you're abroad when you're at Trinity you're with a lot of other exchange program students correct Mm -hmm. Um, like you were telling me about your friend who is also from um, like a different school in the states like and you're all kind of 
from America and you all are there, like, what is it like to be with other Americans who you wouldn't necessarily meet? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it kind of felt like, so the program is run out of Brown. And Mm -hmm. so like majority of the students that were in my specific program went to Brown. And I think for me, I like felt like I kind of spent a semester (laughs) at Brown, even though I was in Trinity. Um, And maybe that's very specific to my experience, but it is just kind of a different um, environment and like ethos. And I think Columbia students have. I do think it's a common thread to a lot of exchange programs is that Mm. they go through like I think Florence, the program in Florence goes through NYU. And, you know, maybe you're not all NYU students, but you're all American students. And how much were you with other Americans and how much were you with, uh, you know, Irish like local Irish people? Yeah, I think so. When I was an exchange student after high school, my program was really always adamant about like, you should try to spend as little time with the other exchange students as possible. Like you should always be trying to interact most with the local people. And while I think that's really important, especially on a longer exchange program, I was like a quote unquote bad exchange student this (laughs) semester and spent majority of my time with the Americans just because again, it was such a short um, time. But I think they're kind of like obvious benefits and then drawbacks to doing something like that. And if if someone listening is like wondering how to go about it on exchange, I feel like just do what you're most comfortable with and you'll kind of know who you like spending time with. But I did do some like, they call them societies, like not clubs Mm -hmm. there. And so through that, I was able to spend some time with Irish people um, and then other like exchange students from different countries. Like if you've heard of Erasmus, it's like an EU Mm -hmm. exchange program. So there are a lot of students from like France, like I did like a French class. Um, so yeah, but I definitely spent most of my time with the other right. Americans. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not just people studying abroad at Columbia, but we have these programs with Trinity. Actually, I have a few friends who, you know, did the dual degree program mm-hmm. and just in general in New York, there is a lot of exchange going on. You know, people are coming from all over the world. Um, and I guess like being a part of that exchange, like, I guess, what is that like? Has it changed the way that you look at the other students who are studying abroad here in New York? Yeah, that's a good question. It definitely made me wonder, like, how many semester exchange students we have at Columbia. Because I don't know about you, but I feel like I don't really meet students from, I don't know, Germany or something. Like, maybe that's just based on because I do more humanities and Mm -hmm. maybe it's, like, more specific to STEM at Columbia. I have no idea. That's not based on anything. Um, but definitely, I mean, I would love to meet the Trinity students that do the Trinity, like dual BA with Columbia, because I think they have a very specific, um, experience that's even pretty different from mine, but still. Which is a whole other show that I could do. I know they have, because I've talked to them and they have this, they go through a whole other route in the school as Mm -hmm. opposed to us who are in the college and like. It's a, it's a very different program. They have to do GS, right? Yeah, like which that, is yeah. very strange different. and I think it leads to a lot of <laughs> conflicts. Right. Yeah, because the age differences and like yeah. that's just what I've heard. But yeah, yes. it's different. Yeah, but yeah, I guess that's true. I didn't really think about like how many students are – and it's a totally different perspective to bring to a place, right? When you're just there for a semester, it's mm-hmm. like – it's very different like – from being here for four years you know you have time to see everything right I mean 
do you feel like you could see most of Dublin and Ireland, uh, you know, within that semester? Um, I feel like I was able to see a good bit. A lot of that's just because the program that I went with, like, would plan excursions every few weeks. Mm -hmm. So we went, like, to Belfast, but then some of it was more just kind of my own initiative. And then the people I was hanging out with saying, like, oh, we should go to, where do we go, like, Galway. But because Ireland's so small, I mean, it's pretty easy. If you really wanted to, like, every weekend you could be going somewhere new. But I also wanted to spend time in Dublin and really get to know Dublin and I think I did a fairly good job like I said it's really easily walkable um but the more time you have it's just such a different experience like there's such different layers that you go through in terms of like half a a year versus a year but I think I have to see a good bit I mean I think it does it's really interesting (laughs) because you're kind of both you are a tourist on some level but you're also like a student and trying to kind of uh, immerse yourself and Mm -hmm. like be a part of it, not just like you're visiting, but like you're kind of living there for a short period of time. Yeah. I, um, something cool that I was able to get involved with was I got like an ad on Instagram that said, um, hey, we're looking for volunteers for Ireland Music Week. And I was like, what? I have a lot (laughs) of time. I'm not doing that much. I'd love to do this. And so that ended up being like the coolest experience. I got to work the doors at a lot of different venues um, around wow. Dublin, and that was a really cool way to get to know the city. And then I got to meet like other volunteers um, and just learn more about the music industry in Ireland and in the EU. And they had like all kinds of representatives like coming to scout Irish artists. So I learned about a lot of cool Irish artists. Um, I know you didn't really ask me about this, but like no, that was absolutely. just That's something. So interesting. It was a cool, fun way to get involved. So I feel like if you're on study abroad and you ever see anything like volunteering is always just such a good way to get to know people and to get to know the city. I like became friends with some bouncers at this bar <laughs> that I liked. So it was like all a good time. Yeah. And I think it worked it's, out. And I guess what I'm trying to kind of study here is just that it's such an interesting sort of shift that's happening you know for you it's at the beginning of the semester um you know and it's kind of a major thing that's happening on college campuses um and it's a big it's a big decision um and I'm sounds like it went pretty well for you it was a great time yeah I think um definitely kind of you just asked about how my perspective has changed I don't know that this is so specific to Ireland but I feel like anytime you do something like this Mm -hmm. obviously whenever you meet new people and spend time with new people you kind of get a different take on things and so just spending time with kids like who studied I don't know English like I study Mm -hmm. history but it makes me now want to take more classes in English or like I took some film classes while I was there and I'm Mm -hmm. like oh I really want to do more with videography like stuff that had I not gone to Ireland I don't think I would have been as interested in So I definitely feel like it's already affecting kind of my trajectory at Columbia, which is exciting because you never know like what it's going to lead you to discover and where you want to take stuff after that experience. So I'm looking forward to the semester. Yeah. Well, you heard it from Sophia. Try new things. Boom. Even if that includes going to Dublin. Yeah, I recommend. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Sophia. Thanks, Josh, for having me. Rest of the semester. You too. Right. Thank you to Sophia for contributing to that. 
um, yeah, there's a whole new fleet of students who are now abroad. Uh, perhaps some of them are listening. That would be cool. Um, and many, in addition to Sophia, have returned. And exchange is not limited to college students, of course. There are people coming and going in the city all the time, which is part of what makes it so exciting to live here. Um, and Sophia did talk a little bit about what it feels like just to be in the city, you know, that little thing that she mentioned about how Columbia students feel a little bit outside of the city. That's something interesting to me, something I want to continue to explore. How do we as students uh, sort of navigate ourselves as potential New Yorkers, uh, which is a big ask um, in four years of college? What it's like to live in the city is something that this show will continue to navigate I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Monday Morningside. It is now 9.23 in the morning. It's Monday, January 23rd. I want to give a quick look forward to some of the special broadcasts coming up. We have, once again, Antonio Carlos Jobim. Birthday broadcast, 125, 25th of January. That's in two days. Um, Roy Eldridge on the 30th. Philip Glass on the 31st. And then... February 2nd and 3rd are the Phil Schapp Memorial Broadcast. I know all of you at WKCR love your Schapp, and we do too here programming. His legacy at the station continues to be felt every day, including by me. He did, of course, used to record his show Bird Flight at this very time, so I'd like to pay my own tribute on the next episode of Monday Morningside, but I do need your help. If any of you have stories, remembrances, or just want to share what Phil Schapp meant to you, please send them in an audio recording one to two minutes long to wkcrmorningside at gmail.com. That is wkcrmorningside, like Monday morningside, at gmail.com, wkcrmorningside at gmail.com. Send me them to them in a short audio recording, or you can just write it and I'll read it. And as well as if you have any thoughts, but I would love to hear your SHAP stories and air them on the next episode of Monday Morningside, that will be the 31st, the 30th of January, just before that memorial broadcast. You know, it's been a little bit since he's left us, and, you know, we love to pay respect to him. Um, we just heard a, a archival broadcast. We air those in the mornings, and you'll hear a lot more next week. So that's something that I'm very much looking forward to doing next week as well as restarting some of our favorite segments here at Monday Morningside. We'll have Who's the Fairest of Them All with Lex and Lucas. We'll have some blue and white talks, and we'll have a good time. Tune in to Monday Morningside every Monday at 8.30 to 9.30 in the morning. This has been Monday Morningside. Have a good rest of your morning, and have a good start to 2023.